Banks are split behind Kurt Warner. Takes back to throw under some pressure. Rainbows the far sideline and it is caught. Yes. Touchdown yes. Rams. Yes. Ricky Pro. Yes. And he went deep on that. Ricky Pro, the veteran. Listen to this crowd. Ricky Pro, no touchdown catches all year. And he makes this touchdown catch to put the Rams in the lead in this NFC Championship game. Welcome to Rams Iconic. I'm your host, DeMarco Farr, and this is the podcast where I get to catch up with some of the greatest players in Rams franchise history. It's a chance for you, the fans, to take a trip down memory lane, reminisce a little bit about some of the greatest moments you've had as Rams fans, but also... It's a great opportunity to introduce to some of our newer fans the iconic players that have made this franchise what it is right now. My next guest, he was a Ram from 1998 to 2002, a wide receiver for the greatest show on turf, along with being a two-time Super Bowl champion. He is, and I call him rock and roll, Ricky Prohl. Now, where are you sitting right now? I am sitting in my office at Prolific Park, which is a family fitness center and sports complex. in Greensboro, North Carolina, that I opened up going on 14 years ago. No, is this something you always wanted to do? Like open up a fitness center, get into athletic training? Are you training for football or all sports or just general health? All sports. It was something, um, I know it, was, it wasn't something um, that I, I, you know, while I was playing said, man, this is something I want to do. It was more or less towards the end of my career, what I'm, you know, when you start to realize, hey, the end is is really close, and uh, what am I going to do life after football? And and I think for me, um, Demarco, I just realized how many people, coaches, mom and dad, teachers, teammates, the 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 impact that sports had on me, the mentors, um, the that really changed my life, that helped me, you know, when I needed a kick in the butt to get me back in the right direction. You know, when I was snotty-nosed kid from New Jersey, just, uh, you know, uh, sometimes not on the right path. And, and and I just had amazing people in my life that just helped me to, to stay on track and just believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And and um, so I wanted to create a platform for kids. I felt like, you know, I grew up, I'd get on a bike and go meet my buddies in the schoolyard to play basketball or the churchyard to play football. And I felt like my kids were getting to an age where, shoot, I wasn't going to let them get on a bike and 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 go that and it was children haven't changed but society has and I wanted to create a safe haven where kids could thrive and, and learn life skills through sports so that's kind of where the whole prolific park came about and, and wow in my experience through sports so I mean 1998 and this is funny I'm reading this uh, off the bio uh, something we wrote for you uh, you come to the Rams in 1998 and then it flips to he becomes one of the greatest receivers on the greatest show on turf. Let's talk about that 1998 year, about that. When you first came to the Rams, what were we then, in your opinion, when you got there? Bad, bad? bad? See, I didn't know we were bad. Were we bad, bad? No, we weren't bad, bad. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we were 4-12. and 12. Um, I mean, to me, at the end of the year, would, and you said we we're going to win the Super Bowl. Next year, I'd say you're on drugs. I mean, <laughs> right. and, and but this is also coming from a person up until that point had been on a lot of losing teams. Mm-hmm. To me, it felt like a 
lot of the losing teams I've been on, you know, is certain guys wanted out. Uh, I'm not going to say any names. You could tell they were like, they were tired of it. They wanted, they wanted to be gone. And, and, um, you know, I think the one thing about it is, um, you know, the following year you started, you know, with the, we didn't know Tory was going to be Tory. Obviously we got Marshall and we'd heard rumors what Marshall was and he was nothing what we had heard, you right. know, he furthest from the truth of, you know, he was unbelievable as far as work ethic and everything else. And, and you bring in, you know, Trent green and we're lighting it up and, um, you know, and, and Trent gets hurt. But the thing is, is, I mean, coach for never lost faith and, and just, he had a, he had a plan and he stuck to his plan and he was putting the pieces together um, from, you know, I felt like I was one of those from bringing in the year before Ray Agnew and then, and then coming in with Trent green and, and trading for Marshall him and Charlie had a great relationship army and did a great job of putting the pieces together. And, and you know, I, I always asked him because I don't know if you remember, we, we ran off a lot of people, Joe Phillips, Joe still running. <laughs> yeah exactly and, you know and I asked coach and I, and I said coach how come in 98 we you beat us down you know and to oblivion in training camp and then the, the next year we didn't wear pads in camp mm-hmm. you know and he just said we had a young football team I needed to to teach these young guys that when we have no pads that doesn't mean a day off we're still going to work we're still going to you know get better work on the game plan, this, that, and the other. And, and, um, but he, he had a plan and it was something that shoot, I had never been around winning in the NFL. So, you know, I just did what I did and that's to to try to get better and work hard. And, and, um, you know, but at the end of the day, we were four and 12. And I'm glad you said that 1998 was hard for you because it was brutal, man. It was rough. And we were trying to run off guys. And I was so, how do I say this? Not happy, but the, the respect, the self-respect grew when we were allowed to take pads off and work because that told me we were becoming a pretty good team. And I remember when he was trying to teach us how to win, one of the things he put up on the board was what playoff teams do, how they win and all that sort of stuff, stuff I didn't know before. No one's ever mentioned that stuff to me. Did you have those moments with Vermeil in the meeting rooms too? Yes. Yes. Well, it's like you said, I didn't know what winning Looked like I didn't know if I was good enough to be on a winning team at that point. When you lose for nine years, you, you just feel like I'm part of the problem. Maybe I'm not good enough, you know. And and um, and and he solidified all of that by by like I said, he method to his madness. And and um, you know, he just he told me too one of the biggest things. He says you got to surround yourself with people who are like you that are willing to work hard, that want to fight through the tough times. And those are the ones you can trust, that they're going to be there. It was hard. It was hard. When did you know in 99? I'll tell you what I knew. When I saw Trent Green line up at quarterback and behind him was Marshall. And then I look out and I see the receiving core we had. We had Torrey, Isaac, you're there. We Orlando's at left tackle. I'm looking at Kevin saying, man, this is better than any offense we face on Sunday for the last four years. If we don't mess this up on defense, we got a shot to be – a playoff team, at least. When did you know? I knew it, it probably wasn't that early for me. I knew probably when it was week three or four when we just started putting up points. Like people couldn't stop us. It was just, um, it was so much fun. I can't even explain it. You know, mm-hmm. to be in and had personal success, but never as a team, and and then just to be firing on all cylinders every week, and then um, 
it was like playing in the backyard. It was unbelievable. And um, how we were slinging it around and Marshall was doing his thing. And then we started fighting the block guys downfield, you know, to spring Marshall to try to get him as a 60 yard touchdown opposed to just a 40 yard gain or a 30 yard gain. Um, that's when, that's when, you know, I, I think it, it probably took four or five games because it takes a look, you know, sometimes you come out hot. I've been on Arizona Cardinals where we come out two yeah. and zero. We're feeling good. Next thing you know, we're two and ten. You know, you didn't trust it yet. You didn't trust it yet. Yeah. Right. So I, I just been through. I, I've been scarred. You know, so <laughs> I, I, I had scars. So I, I wasn't believing. You know, this may be too good to be true. But like you said, when you look around and you're like, "Man, we we are loaded." Um, I mean, we got tight ends that are freaking unbelievable. You know, any kind of, <laughs> right. You know, it, it was just, uh, and then I think the biggest thing for me more than anything was, and then, I mean, obviously greatest Sean Turk, but then you look on our defense, we're number sixth in the league and yeah. we're sounds on defense. And, and, and the biggest thing for me more than anything that taught me, I was a selfish player. And I think when you're on losing teams, you become selfish because you have to take mm. care of you and you have to motivate yourself and do everything. And we were around a bunch of selfless players that we didn't care who scored, who got the credit, it was about winning. And that was the most fun thing. That's where my whole career changed. My whole mental state of just to being a team player changed. It was amazing. I just got chills. I did when you said that. Because um, that's so hard to find. It was hard to get to. And I haven't seen a team like it since. And that's just being honest. Um, maybe they'll get there. This current group will get there. But it was nothing like that group. It was all about just us, and there was nothing bigger than us and winning. It was, it was just great. Yeah, it was big stuff. So you know what we're building to, right? So we roll through the regular season. We get into the postseason. We beat uh, the Minnesota Vikings, which was a fun back-and-forth game. That was great. I mean, I think about that all the time. We beat, just from a defensive perspective, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Jeff George when Jeff George was Jeff George. Plus, they had uh, Robert Smith, who, who was tearing it up. So, I mean, getting past those guys was, was huge. And then we get to Tampa Bay, and this is where the rubber meets the road. They were good defensively. I think, what, two seasons after, they became Super Bowl champs, which means they were ready then. So we always come to this in Rams Iconic. It's called my favorite play. I hope your favorite play is the play I'm about to describe. Ricky Prohl catching the game-winning touchdown in the NFC Championship game to beat Tampa Bay and to send us to the Super Bowl. There is no Kurt Warner movie. There is no underdog story without Ricky Prohl. <laughs> there isn't. There, there, there isn't. I mean, there might not be some Hall of Fames without Ricky Prohl when you think about it. Guys getting over the hump with yards. I mean, the ring is a big thing. Without this catch, we're not there. This story kind of has a, a funny ending without this catch. So take me through this catch in the NFC Championship game versus Tampa. Well, it's like you said, Tampa, I mean – Unbelievable defense. Um, and, and, you know, and, and looking back now and, and at the time, I think we, you know, it started becoming a tight game. You know, we were pretty confident going in. We Obviously, we had the utmost respect for their defense. But at that point, we felt like we could score on anybody. I mean, and um, obviously, Torrey gets banged up early. Oz gets banged up a little bit. They're, they're kind of stopping us. They're hitting us in the mouth. And, and I think as later the game, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought, you know, when you get to that point in the playoffs, you almost become conservative somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like March, 
the first time all year is when he started getting a little conservative instead of kind of doing what we do. And, and I, in, in, in his defense, now being a, a former coach, I can kind of understand that somewhat um, because you don't want to strip fumble. You don't want to pick six in that point in the game. And, and um, but getting back to, you know, we're getting that point six, five on the 30 yard line. We call flex left five eighty five H choice. Wow. I think it was in four. And we're trying to get Marshall the ball. We're trying to get him one-on-one on the linebacker. But we had worked on all week that these guys jump the slants, the, the side adjustments, the hop route. You know, if the safety comes out of the middle field or they blitz, we're going to – we normally run slants, but they jump the slants. So we're going to – you know, whoever's out there would have been Oz. But Oz was banged up most of the game. I mean, I had, I was, I had a pretty good game up until that point. Um, Six catches, 100. Yeah. Somebody, I don't know if it was us. I can't remember. I mean, I'm getting old. I can't remember if it was us or Tampa called a timeout. And Kurt and I, you know, we kind of just said, hey, that safety comes out of the middle field. I'm going deep. We're going, you know, we're running nine. Just co- co- just confirming that we're not doing a slant. I may, I may give him a head fake slant, but I'm going, I'm going by him. And absolutely, we get there, we get lined up. I'm on the left side of the ball and, and that slant start. you know, safety starts creeping up. And he's come, you know. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that's the best thing about football. Stuff happens immediately. You don't have to think a lot. When you see him coming, you're like, here we go. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so I gave Brian a little slate, but he would, you know, it was a lot of hand checking the whole way. And right. some play earlier in the season had happened, to be honest with you, and, and probably not many people know about this, but obviously I didn't score all year. And um, I had an opportunity against Atlanta at home. I was wide open. And Kurt didn't see me till late. And I was in the back of the end zone. Ah. He threw it. He threw it late to me. And I'm waiting on the back of the end, waiting for him. And it was, it was coming to me. And the guy kind of recovered. And he tipped the ball a little bit. And it hit off my chest. Just enough. Reflected it just enough where it hit off my chest. Right. Um, of course, I got there were comments. Oh, Rick, he's got to catch that ball. You know, whatever. And, and But I just said, you know, I'll wait for that ball again. I'll never wait for it. I'm going to go with Attack, go up for it, catch its highest point. So when that play was happening and we were hand checking it and Kurt kind of threw it up and it wasn't like I had to go run for it. I had to kind of slow up. And then I said, you know what, go up, jump for it, try to screen him off and jump. And that play, it's crazy because, you know, football happens. It's such a fast game. And and receivers will tell you a lot of times deep balls, it, it feels that you can see the rotation of the ball. That play was like, slow motion I mean it was just remember like it was yesterday just hand trying to hold him off he's pushing on me and I'm kind of my forearm up against him trying to hold him and then just jump up and screen him and um and that's what I did and and you know when it all happened it you know people said the stadium went crazy I didn't hear a thing I just for me personally it was like man I just made the biggest catch in my life look for my family and then it was like when I got to the sidelines remember a bunch of teammates hit me and then it was the, it was like someone hit the switch and it got loud again. You know, remember <laughs> old Williams falling over me and Isaac dapping, you know, jumping on me. It was just the most unbelievable feeling. I, dude, I mean, it exploded. It exploded in the dome. It did. The place just went berserk. And, uh, you know, I just, I do wonder, I mean, going back from your high school, how about how important your family is and working hard and everything. W- when you spin around to see the official do this. I mean, did you get transported back to when you were nine years old, five years old in your bed, thinking about playing in the league, and here you are with the biggest catch in franchise history? Was it like that for you? 
DeMarco, yes. Yeah, it was like it was a dream come true. For me, it was I was in a in my pajamas, man. I was having I had dreamt that moment my whole life. Like I was in my pajamas running through the end zone looking for my dad, my wife, my kids, you know, and it, that's what I'm saying. I didn't hear a thing. Like it was just wow. me. Like I was there by myself, making that catch like every kid does. And and so I, I knew what I had ju- just done. So I was living in the moment and and uh and then I remember Dick coming up to me and hugging me and Al Saunders and, and it was like like the light switch and then it, it, it's like someone woke me up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. It, it was, you know, why why you, you go through all those this losing seasons, you work hard, you fight through that stuff for those moments right there. It was just unbelievable. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, I think uh, I want to say we were shortchanged, but it was the NFL was changing then. So we had one week from the NFC championship to the Super Bowl. I think that might have helped us. You know, less time to worry about the ifs. Just go play. So we get to Atlanta. We're, we're playing t- uh, Tennessee again, the rematch. I remember saying when they beat us in Tennessee, I hope we get to see those guys again. And there's only one way to do it. And sure enough, there we are against Jeff Fisher and his squad. So when Isaac Bruce catches that touchdown, when Oz makes the block and we score, when we go ahead, what was your thought then? We're ahead in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. What were you thinking then? Game over. Yeah. You were thinking game over, even with McNair doing what he was doing. It was in the second half. <laughs> I thought that, you know, our defense, um, we're up by, you know, we're up by seven. I think yeah. a lot of people get that. A lot of people think that if they'd scored that, which I thought he was in from my angle, but. Talking about the last play. Yeah. yeah. That was for the tie. You know, that would have been for the tie unless they went for two. But, but yeah, I, I, I was confident. I was confident in our defense. I mean, like I said. That year, I mean, the offense got all the attention, but you guys, I mean, I, I look at uh, Todd Light scoring touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, Owen scoring touchdowns, Grant Wistrom scoring t- It was unbelievable. I mean, let's not forget, like you said, we were six. Am I, am I wrong? We were the sixth. Yeah, we were good on defense, no doubt. 57 sacks, 10 defensive scores, I think. Yeah, we were, we were there. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, McNair was a beast. I mean, you look at him breaking tackles and, I mean, if they were tearaway jersey, he would. I mean, he would have nothing left on. He was was amazing. He was unbelievable. And and uh, but no, I I didn't think. um, And granted, you got to give them all the credit in the world because they fought their tails off. Yeah, they really could have blown them out. We had some some miscues that we didn't really offensively. We didn't play like we really could have, and um, you know, and 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 they crawled back in it and, and and made it. A great Super Bowl. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. Mike Jones makes the tackle. Like you said, you thought he was in. I was like, uh, I think I was five, six yards in front of it. I couldn't tell. Um, but I heard Dick Vermeil from the sideline go, woohoo. Remember that? That's on the video. I heard <laughs> that from the sideline. I looked up and I said, oh my God, there's no more time. It's on yeah. the one. We just won the blanking Super Bowl. We just won everything. I told people when they asked me, what was the feeling like to win the Super Bowl? I said, I felt like I could feel the earth was round, like for the yeah. first time ever. And we're on top. You know what I mean? <laughs> there were oh, no other was- games to play. We, we had won I, them all. Well, the first thing I think of is Prince, party like it's 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, it, I, I, that's probably the last time. I mean, I don't think we went to sleep for 48 hours. I mean, it no, was- heck no. I don't remember the parade. Uh, <laughs> I remember, but I don't remember. I don't remember getting on the pickup truck. I remember, you know. I, 
great time and what a great city to this St. Louis, man. I, you know, I still, to this day, I know there's some loud places, Seattle, you know, when they had a dome and, but I don't know, St. Louis, man, we were rocking it. That place was as loud as it gets. Man, I'm telling you, uh, since you were in a different realm when you caught that touchdown pass, that roof almost came off when you caught it. <laughs> I'm serious. The place almost blew up. It was, wow. I've never been in a louder environment than in that moment. That was that was just so special. Hey, before I let you go, this is so weird. Um, besides the obvious, there's so many connections between you and Cooper Cup, more than I knew before we started this this podcast. He was a guy that's overlooked. He was a guy that's overlooked. And when I do talk to you about him, or when I talk to other people about Cooper Cup, there seems to be a hint of disrespect, you know, about him. Like, ah, yeah, they look for him, or yeah, you know, they're they're making an effort to get him the football. So, like, he's not as good as his numbers say. Do you watch him play? What do you think of Cooper Cup right now? Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, he's he's a great football player. I mean, he you could tell he's, you know, he's got physical tools, um, but he's got the mental tools too. He he knows the game inside and out, and that's what. That's what separates him. Um, I, I understand what people are saying. I mean, he's getting yeah. he gets 15, 17 targets a game. Um, and probably there's people that are envious of him, and I get it. I mean, I, like I said, it, it's receivers. That's how we all want the ball, you know. And, and um, people from afar look at Cooper, and they're jealous. They're, that's just the bottom line. They're jealous. Mm-hmm. Because he's catching a ton of balls. He's getting red zone targets. He gets – but he knows the game. He gets open. He makes plays. Um, you know, you can't fault the kid. I mean, he, anybody would love to be in his situation. But at the end of the day, he's a, he's a great football player. And, and, and you watch him do the other things, too. He blocks downfield. He, he gets excited when other guys make plays, when Odell's making plays. I mean, um, he, he is uh, – it, it's, it's, it's envy and it's some of it's jealousy because he is uh, – they want to be in his role. Everybody wants that, that spot. And, and he's no doubt. Listen, he needs to understand he's in a great place. You know, it's like I always said, man, when I came to the Rams, it, it, this game, and it's life. It's being in the right place at the right time. He's in, no a, in a great situation with a great coach, with an offensive mind, with a, two great quarterbacks, you know, with Jared and now and Matthew Stafford. It, it's just, uh, I mean, that guy, that ball he dropped in. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Not many guys in the league can make that throw, you know. Yeah. I mean, he ran a good route, but it's what – 40 yards on a dime, just literally – those balls catch themselves. I, I, I joke with people. I say, just put your hands out. He dropped it right in. Um, but, yeah, Cooper's a, a great football player, and not because he's got such good physical tools, but he, he's as mentally as good. I put him up mentally against anybody in the league knowing the game like he does. And, and um, that's why, you know, people ask me how I played 17 years. It wasn't because at the end of the year, I didn't have at the end of my career, I didn't have the physical tools, but I mentally the game slowed down so much that I knew where the holes were. I knew what guys were doing. I knew where they were. I knew how to create holes and where the windows were. And that's why Tom Brady's so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He, he throws, just knows the game. Yeah. <laughs> those the spots and, and Cooper at a young age is already where some people it takes 10 years to get to. He's already there. Wow. And that, that's my opinion. I love it. No, I, he reminds me of you because he kills people with kindness and facts. Like the best trash talking you did on the field was that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all you need to say, right? Yeah, don't go anywhere. Stay up here. It's first down again. You know what I mean? That's how it works there. Absolutely. 
Ricky, man, thanks so much. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, I love these trips down memory lane. This is uh, so special. They, his description of the catch, wow, unbelievable. All right, that's a wrap on this episode of Rams Iconic. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with the great Ricky Prohl. Do not forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you'd be so kind, please go ahead and leave us a review. Thank you for listening. I'm DeMarco Farr. We'll see you next time on Rams Iconic. 